0: This is the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast, a podcast for creatives, for those who are beginning to be creative or those who have built a business around their creativity. Here, we allow creatives to tell their story about how they got to where they are today. And we give some tips on how to make your creative business better than it was yesterday. Hey, everybody, guess what? The creative writing community is now open for membership. I'm so excited about this community because it is going to be dedicated to writers, writing their book, publishing their book, and launching their book, all while having a good time and growing in their craft. Writing is typically an all alone art, but you don't have to be a lone wolf and do everything yourself. In fact, I highly recommend that you don't just for your own sanity. In the creative writing community, we're going to have live writing sprints, author hangouts, expert Q and A's. We're gonna learn all about the things that it takes to be an author these days and generally support each other in the craft. It will be a place where you can share your knowledge and learn from others and find collaboration and accountability with people who are serious about growing as writers. We're going to support each other, encourage each other, challenge each other, and be generally as committed to seeing each other succeed as we are to our own success. If you're interested in being part of such a group, head on over to catcaldwell.com and just click the pink button right at the header. Today I have the honor of speaking with Samantha Hart. She is the author of the memoir coming out, My Pony, As True a Story As I Can Tell. It was really interesting to talk to Samantha she recalled the process of writing her memoir. I think that writing a memoir can be a really overwhelming experience because you are going back into memories that a lot of times we want to leave in the past. But it's encouraging to hear that she found it all really paid off in the end. You aren't going to want to miss this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast. Today, I'm excited to have Samantha Hart with me. She is an award-winning creative director with a career that has spanned quite a few different areas, including music, film, and advertising. Her creative marketing campaigns brought prominence and from Academy Awards to films such as Fargo, I know that one, Dead Men Walking, and Boys Don't Cry, amazing films. And she has earned cult status for independent films such as Days and Confused, Four Weddings at a Funeral, and Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Hello, Samantha. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. I almost i almost told everyone that they were your films, but they're not your films.
1: Well, <laughs> they feel like they us? feel like your babies when you're working yeah. on them, for sure. Yes, uh, it's amazing that you've
0: worked on so many films that all of us know, where whether we grew up with them or we've kind of gone back to like knowing them as cult classics or sort of film, you know, people. I hope if. If anyone's listening to this and they're young enough not to know any of of these films, you definitely want to get them under your belts and watch. So this is quite extensive, your bio. And not only that, but you have built a multimillion dollar advertising company. So it seems like just hearing that sparkling bio that you were kind of born into this role I'm imagining maybe a middle-class family in the Hollywood Hills. You have connections, so you know how to get into the movie industry. And yet that's just not the case, is it?
1: No, it's yeah. actually um, the furthest, furthest from the case. I grew up on a farm in rural Pennsylvania and family of five girls grew up with my grandmother and grandfather and broken home. And if you would have told me that I would have gone from mucking 30 stalls a day (laughs) to marketing films like Usual Suspects and uh, Meet the Parents and and, uh, the others that you mentioned, I wouldn't have believed you for sure. But I, you know, I had a series of circumstances that sort of took me down a path and allowed me to discover my creativity which I think lies within, you know, each of us in different ways. And I had the good fortune to meet different mentors along the way and people who guided my career and was able to, you know, go from this scrappy childhood to build quite a different life for myself.
0: Right. Was creativity ever a part of your life as a kid in 30s falls? I've done that as a kid. That's, I mean, that takes hours.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, my creativity showed up in a lot of ways when I was a child, but it wasn't something that was fostered in my home. My home was very, oh, I was abused as a child and from the time I was five years old, and it it caused quite a bit of repression, and Mm -hmm. so even though I was a good student, I wouldn't say you know, there wasn't like a piece of artwork I created that someone said, oh, she should be a designer or whatever. Right. But my creativity was expressed in things like and it is, I, re, I say this in my book, Blind Pony, as true a story as I can tell. I used to take these old antiques on the farm, old credenzas and furniture and move them around like they were dollhouse furniture, like always wow. trying to make this decrepit, dilapidated farmhouse look beautiful. Mm. You know, I was always using my imagination to decorate, to try to create a fantasy world. And I had a very big imagination. So I think I lived in this kind of imaginary world that I created and where I dreamed of a place that I could go to one day in my head.
0: Right. right, A safer place, right? A place that yeah, things are definitely more a
1: safe. Yes, definitely a safer place.
0: Do you think that your imagination, because I think that's part of our creativity, right? We can imagine something so much better and we sometimes grasp for it. You definitely grasped for it at one point and you just said sayonara to the
1: to well, Pennsylvania and went
0: forward. Was that part of your imagination or was that just?
1: It really wasn't. It, um, you know, I, I mean, I'm probably like every young girl. <laughs> grew up in the time period I did, you know, sound of music and probably still, I mean, left such a big impression. I I was Maria running through the hills of our farm. And so I, I did live in this kind of world, but I had a very specific imaginary friends that I met in the woods. And I would go out there and tell them my deepest, darkest secrets. And I had a secret hideout in an old fallen tree log And the thing about life is, you know, you can create this safe bubble for yourself, but ultimately, you know, fate or whatever you want to call it will sort of spark something and and put you on a path you didn't expect. And in my case, this tree happened to be fallen over a fence that was part of a sheep farm, a neighboring sheep farm. And one day after a very particular emotional event, I ran up over to meet with my secret friends, my imaginary friends, to only to discover that a pack of wolves had slaughtered the sheep in okay. the neighboring farm. And so uh, coming upon this horrific sight, something sort of, it was like a cataclysmic moment in my brain where I kind of just said, okay, it's time for me to get away from the wolves that it's time for me to remove myself from this imaginary place. It doesn't exist anymore. Hmm. You know, it's gone. And like my little friends died in the massacre, you know, in my naive mind. They died in the massacre along with the sheep. And so that was kind of a pivotal moment. I mean, it sounds kind of crazy, but we're talking about a little girl here. right? And I think that writing the book was such a catharsis for me, which is why I wrote it. Because a lot of people ask me, Know you have a beautiful family, you have three kids, you have a wonderful husband, a loving home, beautiful house. Like, why why are you doing this now? Like, what's the point? You know, the instinct is to, you know, sweep things like these stories under the rug, but they live under the rug. Mm -hmm. They don't go anywhere. And so for me, it was sort of a cleansing. It was like I needed to do this because there were still parts of me in my soul that were dark and I needed to, I wanted to be able to fully light myself back up and heal every little corner of my heart. Yeah. And so the biggest struggle for writing the book was to put myself back in that place. Right. Of being that little girl, because I was writing it in first person Mm-hmm. And so I have a lot more wisdom, hopefully <laughs> now. So sometimes like I'd write I'd, and, and, and I wrote it in fits and starts, like I'd write something and then I'd get a job and or something would distract me and I would have to put it away and I'd come back to it. And I'd say, Oh, that sounds terrible. What was I thinking? Or like, that sounds like a 50 year old woman said that, you know, like, it's just like what, no, this is a little, you know? So I went through a lot of that, that challenging stuff And I many times wanted to give up on it. I just thought I'm not a writer. I mean, I've written copy for these ad Mm -hmm. advertisements, and I think, you know, I've come off with some good licks over the (laughs) my days, and I'm really proud of some pieces, and I've won awards. But writing a book is a whole different deal, right? Particularly, I think a memoir. Yeah, because nobody can help you with that. You know, you have to dig inside and scoop these emotions out and put them on the page and arrange them in such a way that someone can relate to it, but you're still being honest, if that right. makes sense.
0: Right. I think it's a lot different to write about yourself than to write about somebody else's creativity. So your your extensive work in copywriting, it just isn't going to help
1: very much in the end. It didn't help at all. <laughs> it's like, I mean... Literally not at all. I don't even, you know, in fact, you know, I've always kept a journal Mm -hmm. and I, I recommend, I love journal writing. I've always loved it. I'm not as religious with it right now as I had been at one point in my life, but I always kept these, you know, crazy journals with drawings and, and, and all that. And that was like kind of a roadmap for the book in a way. But, but the thing about journal writing is it's very rhythmic and very, you know, you're writing from the heart, but it's, it's almost like prose or poetry almost. And writing a book, you know, you have to be, you have to, you know, you have to nail the, the story, you know, right? You can, people will get bored reading your flowery, you can't get too flowery. Like, yes, uh, I'm definitely like, had to straddle that line. But really what prompted me to really get serious about the book is I was cleaning out an attic and I came upon a journal Mm -hmm. that I had written when I was 12. And I said, one day I'm going to, this was the first line of the book, which isn't the first line of my book, but it's in the preface. I said, one day I'm going to write a story about my life, about me, nobody special. And it was like, and that was the reason because I was nobody special, but I should be known. Like to me, I don't know what exactly what I was trying to say, but those were the words I wrote. And I just started to cry and I started and I said, you know, it's time I fulfilled this 12 year old girl's dream of writing this book. Because at the time I was so traumatized that I felt I wanted to share my experience
0: Right, and, and especially at twelve, you're probably just beginning to understand what was going abuse on. Is. Yeah, yes. But it's
1: not normal. Yes, that it doesn't happen right. in every household. Yes, and that's like when the light bulb really went on was when I was about that age, a little younger maybe. But I think at that point, I was so, you know, conditioned into accepting certain behaviors or else or i would be afraid that you know we wouldn't have a roof over our head or uh, you know it just it just was this conditioning and so i you know i just felt by the time i was 14 i ran away mm-hmm. because i didn't feel there was any other option and i did try to run away to find my dad and he ended up being a cuckoo and that didn't really work out and so then that's when i came to LA so coming to Los Angeles, Los Angeles is a really is a land of opportunity, but it's also a very harsh place. Mm. I remember one time, and it's I mentioned it in the book, looking out over the city lights and just saying, "How could a place so beautiful be so cruel? Yeah, you know, be so uninviting to people?" But you know, I so I had my share of knocks in L.A but I did have a lot of really great opportunities here. And I think by the time that I was, you know, gathering strength and really becoming a woman, which really happened, you know, in my very early twenties, like when I turned 20, I think I just, something flipped in me and I got pregnant with my daughter. And I just said, you know, this abuse stops here. Mm -hmm. I'm having this child I'm going to move my life forward into a completely different direction and protect her and provide for her and be the best mother ever. And I think I've made true on that promise. Good. good.
0: I mean, it's interesting how resilient women can be even after like years of abuse. And a, a lot of us have that story of like that moment where you're like, Oh no, I'm going to move forward, but I think it's important to write this book for all the women who just can't put pen to paper, but they can read the story and say, oh, that's my story. And somebody else went through it.
1: Well, you're not kidding. I mean, I, I have a little catchphrase that I've sort of come up with from, you know, speaking about the book to different people. There are a lot of blind ponies out there. Yeah, And that's what I'm discovering. And when I first, and I'm not kidding you, when I first wrote the book, I I said to my husband, like, this is going to ruin my career. People are just not going to respect me. You know, I'm revealing so much here about myself. No one would ever think this. I always was kind of almost Pollyanna-ish, you know, about life. Like, I'm going to find a reason to be glad today. You know, I was more like that than, you know, because I was hiding things. Right. You know, and that's not healthy. And so I think, you know, my husband actually really encouraged me to move forward and just keep going and keep going. And, you know, I sent, I let a couple of people read it and it was like, oh, you know, early on and it was, you know, oh, this is terrible. Don't write this book. And I just kept persisting. And it really through the process, I would say it was a couple of years. I really taught myself how to be a writer in a way. Mm-hmm. And I think by the end of it, like when the pandemic really hit and things changed and I had all this time, that's when I was really able to bear down and really finish the book really? the way I wanted. So I, I think, and I think you're right. A lot of people, you know, have shared with me stories that are more horrific than my story. And, you know, I'm, I've am i always been someone that people would meet and tell me things, private things about themselves without me prompting or I don't know. I just have an energy, I think, that made people feel safe with me. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's because they recognized a similar pain in yeah. my eyes or something. But I don't know or I have a great capacity to absorb it because I understand it. And so people have talked to me, spoken to me before about maybe not specifically this, but just problems, issues, whatever. Right. And now I can't tell you how many women have come out of the woodwork telling me how much my story meant to them because it gave voice to their feelings. And all I can say to them is write your story. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Even if it's not
0: for publishing. I mean, writing, I think, is... A great way
1: to, to go back and process it. It's a, it's an amazing way. And honestly, I, when I wrote my book, I said to my husband, well, I finally finished it. And I said, I'm going to send it out and try to get a review. And if it's terrible, just promise me that you'll stop passing me. And I'll, we could just put it in a drawer somewhere for the archives for the grandkids. And he's like, it'll get a good review. And it got a stellar review from Kirkus and I was just blown away. I just couldn't even believe it. I was like, well, they give everybody good reviews. Like, you know,
0: but it sounds just, like you worked
1: really hard on
0: it. You didn't just write. That wasn't obviously the first draft. You really worked hard. Oh to no, make sure I worked on
1: it. Yes. I mean, really, I think I was working on it for five years. I mean, hmm. I, I, off, but like I said, in fits and starts and I read some early drafts and boy, were they terrible. I understand. I put out a few query letters initially and boy, I understand why they rejected it, (laughs) you know? So don't get discouraged about that either. I would recommend to people because, you know, nobody knows what's in your heart except for you and nobody can tell what's in your heart except for you. And when you really are able to get it out, you know, and express yourself, you're going to feel better. And who knows you, might it might be good. Yeah. And I struggled with the ending of the book, the last paragraph. And in fact, I went to press with a different ending and then oh. had to kill it and go back. Cause I, I realized, no, that's not exactly what I wanted to say. Yeah. So it, it takes time sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does. And and there's a few things here, you know, like when I read it now, I I almost like I'll read it, I'll pick it up and I'll read it. And I'll just say, like, did I write that? Like, because because I, I felt like I almost went into a little bit of a trance, like I said, becoming that young girl, you know, yeah. I yeah. mean, I still I still cry at the place where I talk about my grandmother and and picking blackberries with her. Mm -hmm. These tiny moments in life that, you know, seem so small at the time, you know, gain so much resonance as you grow older. That's why I love that movie Inside Out so much because it's uh, about those core memories. Those core memories are unique to each of us. And I think that so many of us lose our you know, fun island or whatever those things are called in that film, which are so wonderfully described. But, you know, you lose that as you become an adult. And I can tell you one funny story. When I was writing the book, I really became this little girl again in my mind. And it's like method marketing. I always called myself a method marketer. Like when I was working on Meet the Parents, my boss literally became Bob De Niro and I was Ben Stiller and everything. My life was like mirroring that movie. My daughter brought a Bulgarian boyfriend home from boarding school and he burned our shed down. I mean, it was just, he walked through a sliding glass door and he had to go to emergency room. It was just hysterical. And so, I mean, but this was method writing and so to speak, I guess I get immersed in whatever I'm doing, but one day my family couldn't find me in the house and they were looking around. They were saying, mom, mom. And they finally found me and I was curled up under a blanket in the closet. And the only way they found me is I was snoring. Oh, my because, goodness. because when I was little, I used to hide places. Yeah. And my grandmother would say things like, come on out of there. That's for the cat to have her litter of kitties. You don't go in there. You know, that's the, you know, under the stairwell or wherever. And I was writing the book and I felt like that. And I wanted to hide and I wanted to be curl up and be in a ball alone in the dark by myself. And I sobbed for like an hour. They were out, you know, getting a hamburger or something and they came back and couldn't find me because I had fallen asleep. Right. So did you know that that kind of thing would happen? Is that something that Maybe I feel like that's the fear a lot of us have when you, we when you we nailed attempt it in my mind. it's the fear i it, subconsciously i didn't know how afraid i was yeah you know you think of you think of the superficial the fears that you think of first are like what are my sisters gonna say right. <laughs> you know right they're you know what it, you know is this saying, you know what it what is this saying about me as a woman a person that I couldn't defend myself or you know, that I was vulnerable or that I didn't have the education or that I made up this fictitious story about myself to seem more important than I was? All these things are in the book. they're they're quite hilarious, but they're very tragic and sad at the same time, right Because I really was trying to run away and pretend I was someone else. Mm-hmm. but, Those fears are the superficial fears. You know, the fears that somebody might not like you because you wrote, you know, about, you know, your drug abuse or whatever. The real fear is in here. It's inside your heart. It's the fear that your heart is going to explode. Right. Because you You won't be able to handle. Yeah. You won't be able to handle that pain again. Right. And. So it was a lot. I mean, parts of it were fun to write. I mean, there's one chapter that if I were a young actress, I would love to play that part because it's just so funny. Um, so there, there are some humorous moments. I mean, not ha ha humor, but, you know, sort of humorous, dark moments that are, you know, I mean, I became a backgammon hustler. So you know, that was kind of a really funny, funny story. You know, I was like 17 years old and I was going in and I couldn't lose. And, and the whole story of how I learned to play backgammon in the first place is also kind of funny, mm. but I, you know, when I make up my mind to be good at something, I want to be the best. Okay. And so. but
0: so you um, became
1: the best backgammon player. <laughs> I became the very best backgammon player you'd ever want to meet. And like I won't even play casually now because like I'm afraid I'll lose like I won't have the yes. chops and then I'll have to give up my throne which in the book I, uh, a guy coins the name for me backgammon girl. Um he says like you're like wonder woman or something you're backgammon girl you know and that kind of stuck for a while but not all the book is tragic but I mean the you or, or that's there's like I I would say yeah, you know, There were just different parts that were more difficult to write than others. I mean, sure. revisiting some of that funny stuff, it was fun. Right,
0: you know? right. So how did you start it out? Yeah, I know you said you kind of wrote it in fits and starts, but as you decided that you're actually going to put words on paper, did you go right back to the hardest parts? Or did you? was there ever a moment that you kind of thought, what if I don't talk about my childhood and just sort of talk about start from when I ran away? Like, are, were there any things like that that you
1: were tempted to leave out? I was really tempted. In fact, I had talked to, I had talked to a, an editor person early on about my story before I started writing it, and he had a sort of uh, He was telling me, you know, don't go there to the farm. Don't go back there. Just start in Hollywood. People don't care about all this stuff. Well, it you makes know? people
0: uncomfortable, that's
1: true, but
0: it's still part of your story.
1: Well, and that was what he I think his feeling was was like get to the sexy part where you know you get to LA mm-hmm. and you're just having, you know, crazy parties and meeting all these like celebrity people and all that. But I think anybody can do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's different. You know, I mean, when you, I think you really need to know who I was as a young girl to appreciate where I went. Right. I mean, you know, this was a girl who had never taken a shower in her life. Yeah. You know, this was a girl who the shower was when it rained, I would stand under a broken rain spout and the water would come rushing down, freezing cold water. And I would be dancing in it, pretending I was in a shower, because I wanted to know what a shower felt like. Right. We had one bathtub on the farm and you know, only enough hot water for one tub. And I was usually the last one in. So, you know, it was a tough childhood. And um, and I think that the first time I take a shower at this mansion. And, you know, and I describe it, I think you appreciate it more because you understand, you know, that fish out of water right. aspect of it. Right. You know, just this was something so completely foreign to me that how would you know, you know, how could I describe that scene if you didn't know that I did? Yeah, it
0: almost wouldn't make sense. Like in the shower, especially in 2021.
1: The- and- yeah. know, I mean, shower. Okay. <laughs> right you know I'm buying I'm in the middle of buying a new house right now and my biggest dilemma is like putting in new bathrooms you know and it's just like whoa when did this happen you know like yeah so it uh, sounds yeah. like you kind of almost got to know yourself
0: at a deeper level because like maybe you've always had a thing with bathrooms but now
1: it's like front and center maybe well it got front and center a while ago, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, just like never expect like my children to do like hard labor, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, they have chores and they have things, you know, that they're expected to do around the house or whatever, but you know, it's just the things that I went through on the farm are just, I don't even want to go into it. I this, a lot of these things aren't even in the book, but you know, so it just, sort of shaped how you were, you became a mother, how, what not. It definitely. I think it definitely, imp- you know, just, I mean, it's very hard thing to say that your mother would not be your advocate, that she knew yeah. you were being abused and she wouldn't come to your rescue. Yeah. And, you know, actually it's yesterday was the, the second year of my mother's death day, mm-hmm. the, th- third year, I think. And, you know, it was difficult because, you know, of course I loved my mother and I think that runs through the book. I was always thinking of my mother and always wishing that we could have, and we did reconcile over the years here and there, but there would always be something Mm -hmm. that would then rear its head and again cause Friction between us, and I think at the heart of it is I believe she was abused as well. Yeah, and admitting or having empathy for me or being coming an advocate for me would be admitting her own vulnerability. Wow. Yeah, and I don't think she was ready to do that. I don't. She was in too deep a denial, and and again, there prompts another reason for writing the book. Yeah. You know, I think so important that we. You know, peel back the layers of our ourselves. You know, even me as a mature woman. I mean, you know, I still inside fe- feel s- sometimes like a little girl. Yeah. You know, I still have triggers and things that elicit emotions. I mean, and since writing the book, honestly, less and less. Oh wow! Um, you know, the interesting thing uh, happened when I was four. And it's just seared into my memory. It was this, the snap of a screen door. And I I won't go into detail on it, but it was just that. And for years, if I heard that, a similar sound to that, I would just like shake,
0: you Mm -hmm. know, I
1: would, you know, and for a long time, I didn't really even understand why the memory was so far recessed in my mind. You know, so years of therapy and my own journal writing and self-discovery, I finally got in touch with that. And I told my husband, I when the epiphany happened, and it was when I was writing the book, an early draft of the book, when I told my husband that, you know what he did? He took the door off. <laughs> that, that's it. No more door. That's a good man. <laughs> but was it, was it good to find that? Or was it like, oh, it was like a, it was, it was, it was like a little piece of myself was just, I, I feel like my childhood was so disenfranchised, it was taken from me. Mm-hmm. And there was so much I didn't understand about what made me, me, you know, and some of the eccentricities that I had, like, I'm. I've got quite a reputation. I have had in the past quite a reputation creatively and funny stories that people have told about me over the years. Like when the boss took the Billy Elliot campaign away from me at universal because I was too busy on meet the parents. I came in wearing a black veil, you know, I was in mourning, you know? So I mean, that's a little kookadook. Okay. But I was, you know, I was very, you know, I was, again, I think that, you know, that creative spark, you know, I've always wanted to find people like that to work with, to pull in, because I love that kind of energy. Yeah. Um, Some people don't appreciate it, you know, just to, you know. Did your boss appreciate it? (laughs) I think he thought it was pretty charming. Um, (laughs) I mean, I didn't make such a big deal out of it. I didn't wear it all day or anything, but it was a statement. But I think you know, I think it was a statement of passion. And I yeah. think that you have to be passionate about things in life to be successful. And thereby you have to be passionate about yourself. Mm. And so for me, I didn't feel I could move on. You know, how you get stuck at a job sometimes yeah, and you kind of lose interest or you're not as passionate. You're not, maybe you're whatever you're assignment is, you're not as sharp with it, or you're not as it's efficient, you know, or whatever, you're bored, or you start looking on LinkedIn for another gig, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it's like, it's like, if you are able to turn over something and find something new to be passionate about, you fall in love again, you know, with, with right. the job or, or the relationship or the experience. Right. Imagine if that's yourself. Yeah. You yeah. Know, imagine if you can find something new about yourself that can make you more interested in who you are as a woman.
0: Yeah, and put the puzzle pieces together. Because I think if if people want to write a memoir, sometimes what keeps them, like we've been talking about, is fear. And I think sometimes we fear those memories. We do. But you're saying that it almost like it it made you more passionate about yourself, like and to see yourself a little more whole. That's that's a much different. Like that could take a person out of that fear and say, "Okay, I could actually get maybe excited about
1: digging into to memories that might absolutely. Might I, mean, dark, I, give, it... I mean, if I could give, I mean, if I give one piece of advice, it's like I wish I wouldn't have waited so long, okay. because my memoir, even though it's called a memoir, it only goes up to like age twenty, but you know, at the same time, so it's not exactly a memoir. It's a you know coming of age story memoir. But if I would have written it sooner, I think it would have unblocked so many things in me, and I think I could have gone on to do more things. Okay. Not that not necessarily. I mean, more enjoyed more success, not necessarily like money or whatever, but more happiness. And I That's wouldn't an call myself. Thing ever an unhappy person. Yeah. But I don't think I ever, like, sometimes I think like, I would, I I don't think that I would describe myself in my twenties and thirties as being particularly joyful. That's interesting. You know, I think because you're
0: you're successful, you've got a great life going for you as you said but like people don't see you in that
1: way I'm, and yet i'm meeting these cool directors i, yeah. know, I know, mean he's really hip actresses a lot, a lot of us dream of know. this kind of you know, like- i inherited gwyneth paltrow's pants from moonlight and valentino you know from wardrobe i mean you know how big are they? Are they like this big? <laughs> <laughs> this
0: big, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can put my arm in there.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, but at the time I could put, I, I, I could wear them, but, um, wow. Wow. but, but the fun, but the funny thing is, is that, you know, like, so, you know, like, like you have these special moments, you go to the golden globes, you go to the, you know, to the, the Oscars or, you know, you have these really high highs, but there's something about it. I'll tell you a funny story. I was getting ready for a Globes party and I forget which movie I was working. I think it was dead man walking Susan Sarandon was getting an Oscar. And so I was getting ready for the golden Globes party and I bought a Hervé Leger dress. Mm-hmm. So skin tight, you know, Yeah. it had like see-through sleeves, you know, like mesh see-through yeah. sleeves. And, it was really frustrating. I had my hair done and the hairstylist left. And then I went to put the dress on and I couldn't get the zipper up because I couldn't reach. And finally I got the zipper up and I was all like, you know, perspiring and my (laughs) hair was like all looking all cuckoo. And then I'm like, I hate this hairstyle, you know? So then I had the brilliant idea. I wasn't going to take the dress off because I'd never get it back on right with the zipper. So I had the brilliant idea to just put my head faucet, which I did. And when I came back up, water got all over the sleeves, So they were all spotted. Like the whole Uh sleeves were spot. So, you know, it just, it's just funny, you know, like again, that person that did that different person than I am now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, do you know what I'm saying? It's like, uh, I think I would have asked for help. I think I would (laughs) have called someone (laughs) you know I would I don't know I could have handled it 10 different ways but I I don't know if if I'm really if that's no I think it makes perfect
0: sense because I think women when we hide things in a lot of women it's unfortunate how many of us go through pretty traumatic childhoods or something happening and for some reason I hear a lot of women say the same story of like I don't know why I didn't ask for help or I don't know why I couldn't. And it looks like you're saying cuckoo from the outside, but it's when you look a little bit inside. Yes. And so you're saying like, if you had written that and gone deeper
1: sooner, sooner, you could have, I think in, I could have been more successful in so many ways. For example, not ruining an Hervé Leger dress, if I'm right. saying that right. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's a right. simple, it's a simple analogy or metaphor, but it's, you know, it's one that I hope illustrates. We're not talking about like big things. They can be small things, but I think that like when you are hiding and when you're Feeling pain that you're not expressing, that pain is going to come out in some way, and it can yeah. come out in a very self-destructive way. It can yeah. come out. You can uh, drink too much alcohol. You can do drugs. You can, you know, do a lot of things, or you can put your hair upside down in a faucet in the next two thousand dollar dress. You know, right. I mean, Do you know what I'm saying? It's a yes. destructive behavior. Right. And it's like way, even though
0: you're successful, you're still doing something that you're like. Well, I was right. insecure.
1: I was right. insecure about going to the Golden Globes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I didn't feel I belonged or whatever, you yeah, know, it's like triggering something that you don't even know what it is. Cause yeah. Like, just put it back
0: down, figure it out yeah. and go
1: forward. So make a mess of it. And then you, you know, can show up and be, you know, like, my dress isn't supposed to be spotted, but I put my head under, you know, like a be a Lucille Ball character instead of a sophisticated woman, you right. know, which right. is who I wanted to be. Right. You know?
0: Yeah, I can see that in a lot of us women. Like, yeah, you're you're almost playing a part at that point.
1: Like a little because- bit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You have to just make it funny. Well, everyone expects me to be funny anyway. So I'm just going to do this and
1: oh, and, that's, and never that's deal with real, it. <laughs> well, that's a real trigger for me that you just hit because when I was young, I was the sister of the five of us who always had to make everyone laugh. Mm. And I used to do this thing called the frozen Seymour. And I would go out in the snow barefoot and i'm not going to do the face because i'm too old now my face might stay that way <laughs> like i would turn my uh, my lip, lip upside down and like the other lip turn it up and like make this funny face and stay like that and then chatter my teeth standing oh, wow. in the snow and they would just and my lips would turn literally blue and i have very thin lips and so i would just like you know try to make them look really big and I, they'd get blue and I'd be chattering my lips and the girls would be inside the window laughing their heads off. And the more they laughed, the more I stood there in the snow frozen. Yeah. Just to get that laugh. And, you know, and so it's complex. It is complex, you know?
0: but it sounds like this is as much as, uh, writing the memoir can be overwhelming and scary the rewards at the end of it kind of outweigh that once you get through it.
1: Well, honestly, you know, I, I have to tell you, you know, I'm kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop and like the bad reviews to come in (laughs) for people to say she can't write, she's terrible. But, but you know, like right now I can't even tell you how much I've enjoyed hearing from people. I mean, I'm overwhelmed. I'm humbled. I'm, I'm grateful. I'm, beyond and it hasn't even really been it's not like I'm you know it's not like thousands of people or anything but you know just like that email I got from that woman yesterday on LinkedIn I mean it just I was sobbing I haven't been able to answer she's written me three times now we've had correspondence I haven't even been able to write back this last email because I have to think about it a little bit because it's so deep right um but obviously she needed, she needed to hear that message that I gave, whatever it was. And it was a 15 minute interview. So it wasn't really like we went that deep into anything or talked about as much as you and I are, um, or as abstractly as you and I are. Right. Uh, but it's, it's interesting. Like I said, there's a lot of blind ponies out there.
0: Yeah. I, I love to tell people that We each have a story, and it's even if you touch one person with it, that moment that they tell you that your story touched them is like that's got to be incredible.
1: Yeah, no, it really is. I, I, some of my, I had a couple of girlfriends who were early readers. One girlfriend who I think is just an amazing writer, Julie Hall. She has been a colleague of mine for years, and she she wrote back to me and she said, I read it one night. I couldn't put it down. It is oh, so wow. good. And she said, my husband said, well, well, why do you think that just because it's Sam? And she goes, no, it's so good. And to me, that was like, uh, cause I think she's such an amazing writer, much better right. than I am for sure. But, um, and, and other colleagues and, and friends, one of my Geffen pals read it and she was, you know, I would have, ne- you know, I, I, I sent it to people that I thought, might find it a little polarizing as well because I wanted to get a range Mm -hmm. of impressions. Um, And it was really interesting uh, because everyone has been very supportive. So
0: for anyone who's thinking of of writing a memoir, let's go back a little bit to the, the first fears with your family, with your sisters. So everyone's been very supportive. Like friendships and stuff, but how about family? did Did your
1: did well, your immediate family know, or did you have to tell them? Well, I told I told them I was writing a book, and I think you know, so many people say I'm writing a book. You yeah. know, how many times? Like, you sure know, I, I, you know i I really was almost like embarrassed to tell people I was writing a book because it's such a Hollywood thing. It's such okay. a cliche. It's like you know. I'm writing a book. and so, um, so, but I told my sisters I was writing a book about my experiences, and the name Blind Pony comes from the horse my grandfather gave me, who was partially blind. Her eye had been kicked out. Mm-hmm. and I use I, I I use that as a metaphor of feeling the way I felt damaged uh, in some way, and also, as a metaphor for not being seen and heard. Mm-hmm. And so my sisters knew about that. And, you know, th- there's been an array of reactions, you know, no, no one's really said don't write it because they know it's true. They know what right. happened. Um, I think, I think there I'm, I don't want to speak for my sisters because we all had our own experiences. Mm-hmm. and I, if a lot of people are frustrated when they read the book cuz they want to hear more about the sisters and if you're frustrated cuz there isn't anything much about the sisters it's not out of my not wanting to it's their you know out of respect for them just to right. keep their privacy what one of my sisters very supportive and another of my sisters my oldest sister who happens to be very religious evangelical like to the highest level of that world. I sent it to her because like I said, I wanted some polar polarization. I wanted to, and as being the eldest sister, I, I thought she could cooperate some of the memories mm-hmm. of the early years, the best. And she loves it. Oh, and really kind of stunned me. I mean, really stunned me Oh well, that's um, cool
0: that's but I mean even a surprise of like the fear of kind of expecting a rejection from that sister and, and getting something completely oh, opposite
1: I didn't expect a rejection <laughs> I expected, I I would expected expect to be later. struck down by lightning <laughs> Yes. I mean, she loved it and she was very supportive and wonderful. I was so blown away and it really bridged a gap between us culturally and politically. Yeah. yeah. I might say amazing, you know, and she had a few comments like that, you know, like, Oh, well you, you know, you were alive when Donnie got hit on clever road. Like you, you were already born and I thought I, I hadn't been born yet. So my cousin was hit on the road where I grew up and he died. And so she said that. And I think I have one other mistake in the book. I think I left off. I think I said I had, my father had four or five siblings, and he really had two others that I didn't know about. So oh, okay. So we there are forgiving for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> but like she did catch a few things here and there, and um, and that was nice. But would you um, say that
0: really- that usually we kind of build up our fears almost more than it it sounds like not all of them really became the monsters, maybe that were in your head no,
1: no, I, that was a real fear, yeah, <laughs> that she would hate the book, yeah,
0: or the, how they would react. I mean, they are yeah. still s- some part of it. And I, I guess you, my- yeah,
1: I haven't shared it with my one one of my sisters yet. I, I think it'll be hard on her like to read it because she's my younger sister and, you know, but, you know, at some point I'm not seeking approval, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm seeking my own personal healing. Yeah. I was through a lot. I mean, what I went through, you know, as a teenage runaway, almost killed me. Yeah. So, you know, and I know I'm my my youngest sister has a very close had a very close relationship with my mother after I ran away. She was the only one left and and I respect that and I understand it mm-hmm. um, and I'm happy for her that she was able to have that closeness that I never was able to have with my mother. i don't you know I don't have any that you know I'm happy for her. Uh, maybe it took my running away for that relationship to get so sure. close. And if that's the one positive that happened, yeah. then great, you know, yeah, but absolutely. that doesn't, that doesn't, he, that doesn't help me on any level, does it? I mean, no. I'm still the one who, you know, I could have been dead in a ditch somewhere and my family never would have known. I would have True. been a John Doe, Jane Doe, True. not John Doe, but um, yeah, I would have been to Jane Doe somewhere, you know? Um, but I
0: think what you say is a really great tool for a lot of women, if they want to write their memories, their memoir, or a story of their life, that you're not seeking approval. Like even if you tell the family or whoever is affected, your friends, your family, and probably tell them because if it gets published, it'll come out anyway. But to be able to say, no, I'm not seeking your approval. I'm simply seeking a way for me to heal and understand and become more whole.
1: It's like, I'm, I'm kind of giving you like a heads up (laughs) <laughs> well, I told, I, I've i told everyone, you know, pertinent that I was writing a book and that I had finished it and that it was getting published and it was coming out and I haven't been hiding anything and no one, they haven't asked to read it. And, you know, and, you know, I, I have had one sister say, please don't say anything about me in it. And I respect that. Mm-hmm. Um, this book is about, it's really about my story and Really, my sisters only play into the first, by the time I was 10, most of my sisters were gone, you know, or 12 or f- by the time I was 14, they were all gone except for the young ones. So it, it really isn't that big a part of the story. It's like right. five chapters. And then the rest of it, they're never in it. And I never yeah. saw them. I, I never saw my family. I traveled all around the world and they didn't know where I was. So, right. um, so and I it's, think
0: that's like, it's, if, a, if a sister were to say to a listener, you know, or me, let's say, I'm going to write a story. I think in our own heads, it becomes that we're a much bigger part of their story than we actually are, you know? So writing your memoir and just letting people know in that same capacity of like, yeah, you're part of me, but you're not necessarily part of the story of the memoir because this is, it's about you. Yeah, This is
1: about me, you know? Yeah. And- I mean, I did have one sister, you know, who called, you know, called me and said like, Oh, I was right there with you. I was reading in and I could see all the images and see all the, you know, the, cause there were some wonderful memories of the mm-hmm. farm, you know, as well. But, you know, so it's not, you know, I, I think what you have, everyone, each person's family dynamic is different. And I think you need to do whatever makes you feel good in terms of being respectful Right, But I felt respectful in telling them I was doing it, and they had the option to want to read it or ask me i have I have no problem sharing it. I think I was more more concerned about my colleagues than my sisters, you know, wondering like, oh, like I said, you know, I feel so different since I sort of unburden myself, yeah, that I just really want to share that with people to say like, you know, like you said, we all have a story and some things, maybe we don't even realize how much they affected us until Mm. we really write about it. And it doesn't have to be something horrific. Right. Um, It can be something simple, but it's moving past, you know, you know, things that might be obstacles to get, you know, to make, to allow yourself to, have the best life possible. That's all we yeah. really want. Each of yeah. us. Yeah. You know? Like I said, if I, if I had been able to be more authentic, I think that's the word I've been looking for the whole time we yeah. have been talking. If I had allowed myself to be more authentic me, I wouldn't have had to put up so many, you know, kind of false narratives or not yeah. even false narratives, but just, Maybe different masks as we're in different masks, or, or being, being afraid to ever ask for help because, you know, I can do this. I can, I can do everything on my own. I survived on my own. I don't need anybody. It definitely affected me in relationships. Mm. I mean, I have the most incredible husband because he puts up with so much for me because, you know, I, I'm not saying I'm completely healed. I have no more damage. (laughs) I am so weird. You know, I mean, I, you know, I have so many little idiosyncrasies, some of which were probably just in my DNA and some of which are still residue
0: of these traumas,
1: but whatever they are, you know, I think understanding them allows you to have a better relationship with a partner yeah because they understand your triggers and they understand you know what you're going through or what you went through so it might you know so they're more sensitive and yes. how can you build a more meaningful relationship with anybody even your children if you aren't able to be authentic that's so true yeah if you're trying to have a false
0: relationship with yourself every other relationship's going to be Oh, every every single
1: one with a boss with a friend with a colleague, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, your children it's all you know, and it's like the one good thing that came out of it is like nothing can shock me so when my kids come to me with this certain face, I go, okay, what's on your mind? you know <laughs> I know exactly you know because like I've been there done that, you know so so that's a one, a good thing, but um but yeah, I mean, I know like with my daughter, I coddled her a little too much because I didn't want her to run away because mm. that was what was in my silly mind was, you know, it was what I knew. Right. I mean, I went careening toward life with no life skills yeah, whatsoever. So, you know, I had to sort of learn them along the way. And, you know, so I think if I had it all to do over again, there's not much I would change about raising my daughter. I have such a close relationship with Vignette. She's an amazing woman and she's a mother now as well. And she's a terrific mom. And like, I, I couldn't ask for a better, you know, relationship than I have with her. But I, but I do think, like I said, you know, if I was able to heal some of this stuff, maybe I wouldn't have been so worried she was going to run away, you know? Right. And I could have relaxed a little more yeah, or something. I don't know.
0: Yeah. But I, I'm a huge advocate of writing, like journaling, like you say, even, even going back and kind of writing it out as a journal, you know, whether, whatever comes of it, but in, encouraging women, especially to process Situations and, like you said, it doesn't have to be like horrific situations. Just like there are moments in our
1: life that define us. And simple little things. It's like I mentioned earlier that inside out, those core memories. Yeah. You know, you know where it's something small that you know, and I and I see that with my my sons. You know, because they're they're growing up. They're they're the last years of their teens, Mm -hmm. and it's very sweet because you know they you see your children being in a rush to grow up until one day they're don't throw out my legos yeah <laughs> like like that song you know uh i think it's ajr but you know it, it's like um you know or don't you know or that's my teddy you know my my yeah blinkie uh, or teddy my whatever you have to or know. teddy whatever But I'm a big collector of memorabilia, so I I have a stash for each child, you know. (laughs) But I think everybody should, if if you're not, I mean, writing a memoir, maybe that's not for everyone, but I think writing in general, Mm -hmm. because I think that so many things come out, like I'm writing a novel now, and even that is kind of, because you can't help but some of your life to bleed over into it, even if it's just especially your, your
0: life. You, but I'm sure there's some things just the names have been changed <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, but but maybe it even gives you the ability to see them in a different light, and maybe it's more funny or more memories oh, it's, have come out. It's
1: yeah, I mean, like all like honestly, it's very freeing now. Like I had to write this book first, I think. Okay. Where, there was no strategy here. Like I told you, when I started writing blind pony, it was just like, well, I didn't even know what I was doing, but now I'm very strategic about the novel and I have the ending and I'm sort of working toward that ending. And it's a real surprise ending. And if anyone thinks they know some of these characters, they're going to be stunned by the ending because it's nothing to do with these characters. So I'm giving them a new life. So it's it's fun. It's really fun and I I love it and and I think that just being able to express yourself with words honestly if I could if I accomplished it anyone can. So
0: Well and I love that you say that you had to write the first one first. And again like not everyone has to write a memoir but I always encourage people just go back and write a little bit and
1: get some write a short out. story. Yeah, a short story, you know, I've written some short stories and things along the way as well, that I never, I used to write a lot of short stories about funny things that happened with Vignette and I, like the time I told her she got straight A's, that we would go for mother daughter nose pierces. And so she got straight A's. So we went for mother daughter, nose pierces. And of course she said, you go first mom. So I go, okay. Have you ever had a nose pierce? I've had other things pierced, but- So <laughs> I've had, I've had plenty pierced, but a nose, let me tell you, it hurts. It was, re- and I didn't want to cry in front of vignette. yet. So I, I'm like, my eyes are watering up and the guy, you know, and the whole thing. And I was expecting to have a cute little tiny diamond or something. And, he goes, no, you have to have the trainer ball. <laughs> oh no! So, whatever. so I've got this huge. I look like Rudolph the silver-nosed reindeer coming out of there, and so then this is the kicker. Vignette's like, I'm good. I think I changed my mind. I'm not gonna get. First. Oh no! So I-, <laughs> I think she she owes you something. For that. <laughs> yeah, right I think
0: right
1: uh, it, it, we just drove home in silent Well, she said you know mom because i i told her beforehand i said Are you sure you want to do this you know you're only 17 like you might change your mind you might not want it like it's a permanent thing it's not really a permanent but it, you might change your mind like you know whatever oh we we're gonna get tattoos as well but we after she decided not to get the nose pierced before we went the tattoos but um you know, we drove home in silence and, and then she came in and she said, you're so cool. Like I suck. Why couldn't I get the dose? You know, it was really cute. It was a great mother daughter moment, but, um, yeah, I wrote a short story about that. I mean, look, our lives are so rich and colorful. There's so many things to have that happen in our lives, little things like that. Yeah. You know, that, you know, just those, those are the stories I think you know, that knit us together as a society, as a people, as a, you know, community, especially, yeah. you know, as women, I think women's voices. And, you know, I'm really trying to write this ne- this novel with the woman's gaze, yeah. you know, because so much of the great films of all time are all from the male gaze. And I never really thought about it too much until I, until I started writing. And now I see things a lot differently. So I think that's, that's also another sort of benefit. I think yeah. from my journey as a writer is learning to look at things slightly differently.
0: Yes. So, you know, you have your gaze as Samantha and then as a woman. And I, th- I think you're right. I think you, we, you're able to hone in on your identity and the different parts you're a woman, you're Samantha, you've, yeah. You not animate, with someone you know.
1: who sees me because right we're right. all women are all, of you know, women are objectified from the right. time, you know, we just are. And yeah. I think that's changing a little bit, but it's so interesting to me how it's two steps forward, 20 steps back for women. I mean, when you think about, you know, any group of people or, any identities that are marginalized in any way, whether they're, whether it's women, gay, lesbian, black, Muslim, it's crazy. We're all people, right? You know, we all have the same things going on in our lives. Yeah. We have way more in common than we have we do. And and you started the conversation saying, you know, one would think from your resume that you grew up with this, uh, you know, semi-privileged life Yeah, and no one, I think ever, I mean, I was embarrassed of course to say, you know, I came from, uh, we weren't really poor uh, because we had a lot of land that was eventually sold and, you know, they made money from it or whatever. But my grandfather was the type that like, If if a hurricane blew the roof off the barn, that was important. But the fact that there was a big hole in the ceiling in the room, in the upstairs kitchen next to my bedroom, and rain would come pouring in every rainstorm and soak everything. And I'd have to clean it up and put buckets down and take the buckets out. And there was mold. I mean, to this day, I can walk into any house and say, there's mold here yeah you know, wow. I'm so allergic to it, but you know he, he, that was like something no, we can't fix that. Yeah. you know that's you yeah, know, that would be something for me, you know, not for the house. it would it would be so i mean in in a way, that's a form of abuse as well. like yeah. it just, yeah, it was a it was a very it was a very, very challenging lifestyle to grow up in, well, I think that's
0: why it's important also to tell our stories. In any way that we can, because who we are, like you've said a few times as an adult, what people see of you as an adult, this does, does not complete the whole picture. And that goes for everyone, no well, matter you who know, you
1: people, are. People think, I think sometimes people do feel, you know, marginalized in their situation because like, how can I get up out of this poverty or how mm-hmm. can I get up out of this? It's tough. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. You know, I, you've got to think, girl, you've got to come up with a dog a song and a dance and a, and a shtick of some kind because it's not easy when you don't yeah. come from privilege. Yeah. You know, when you don't have the opportunity to go to college mm-hmm. and you're asked on a resume, you know, by a recruiter who wants to hire you at a big company where did you go to college? And you say, well, I didn't go to college. And she says, well, you have to go to college to get a job here or there. And, and you say, well, I did go to college. Um, I went to the Royal college of art in London and she says, well, why didn't you say that? And I said, well, cause yeah, I'm sorry. I, uh, you know, just, yeah, that's great. We'll put that down. Well, I did go to the Royal college of art in London as a nude model. You know, in the painters' class. Okay, so I went there. Well, it's true. <laughs> I took my clothes off, and I sat there, and I in a pose, and I heard all about color theory and all about you know form and figure and you know, and I actually learned a lot in that class. But you know, I it was just a different way in for me to school, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. So I mean. Like I said, you we were only limited by our own thinking. Looking back on it, you know, could I have found a benefactor who would have seen that I, 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 I obviously you know I, I was quite intelligent. I got good grades in school. I did get I did manage to you know get through high school, get a diploma. you know maybe someone would have sponsored me to go to college. but I was so consumed with just trying not to be found out. You know, yeah. that I was an underage teenage runaway, you know, but nobody was looking for me. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what I was so worried about. So, you know, but I just would encourage anyone one thing that always worked well. And I've, I, I, I say this a lot and I say it in the book. And I do say cautiously, this isn't exactly a life tip for people, but it worked for me. I say, I had nothing to lose. Yeah. So I would just say that over and over and over in my head, I have nothing to lose. And that would allow me to step outside my comfort zone. Yes. And even if it made sense at the time to say, you know, yeah, I went to college. I went to rural college. It wasn't lying. It's a white lie, whatever, you know, <laughs> they Gray didn't lie. ask for more details. <laughs> they didn't, you know, so, like they didn't, you know, they didn't say who was your college professor. Or I wouldn't have had an answer. You know, I, I maybe I would have said, I don't know. Made, made something Smith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, 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 I probably would have said a Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was giving the, it sounds yeah. <laughs> uh, like, uh, British. You know? <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's, it's just like, I'm not saying to people, lie, but I am saying don't be limited by what you think mm. society is placed on you or is holding yes. you down, you know, try to find that inner sense of that inner spark and let it yeah. shine. Yeah. Because if you do, people will see it and they'll notice it and they'll be attracted to it. And that's again, that inner spark is why I wrote the book because I wanted to open up the rest of the spark you know, the places that are were still dark and hidden in there, you know, so that I could be a better mother, a better person, a right. better everything, a better creative, a better writer, a better friend, a better wife, all those things. Yeah. So I I think we do put a lot of our own limitations on ourselves. We think it's society doing it to us, and in a way it is, and justifiably look nobody was putting a a knee on my neck. Yeah. But so there are like, I'm not, this isn't a one size fits all conversation. I'm just saying, find that inner spark and try to at least try to open up and let it shine more. Yeah. And if you feel that there's something blocking your, your spark, try to get, try to get rid of it. Try to cast it off somehow. Exactly. And writing can be a great way to do that. Writing is a great way to do it. And like you said, even if it's journaling. Yeah. You know, even if that's even if that's it, or good old-fashioned letter writing. I've written a few of those. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Oh, that's a good idea, actually. (laughs) Even if it's to someone who doesn't you don't intend on sending it. I've written so many letters that I've burned. Mostly to my mom.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but what a good therapy to just get it out, burn it. (laughs)
1: Yeah, you know, it's a catharsis. Writing is a catharsis. I think it's really amazing. I'm so happy I discovered my voice that Mm -hmm. way. You know, I think I really can honestly say, you know, it it took me a while and it was a lot of hard work, but I'm just so, I'm so excited to share it.
0: Yes, I think
1: it's, it's
0: absolutely amazing. that the book, I mean, it's amazing hearing like the little stories that you've shared with us, but it absolutely sounds amazing. You have tons of reviews on there that are just make me want to find time and I want it here now so I can read it. <laughs> I can't believe you. I can't believe she didn't set it's probably on its way, but I'm looking forward to reading it. But I want to tell everyone that the full name of it is Blind Pony, as true a story as I can tell. by Here's Samantha the cover. Hart. I love it. Can you cover. see it? Yes. See. It's a great cover. Well, and I'll I'll be sharing the cover with everyone and Samanthaheart.net is where they can find everything about you. I think it's going to be a page turner. <laughs> <Yep.
1: laughs> the way that you write. stories. Was- the cover art was by was created by one of my colleagues in the music business. And then later in the advertising world, I worked with him again, um, Nick Egan. He worked with the Sex Pistols and Clash, and he's kind of just a really eccentric Englishman, just one of the most brilliant, talented men I've ever met. And when after I was finished with the book, and I that's what I do, I design artwork. Of the, but my own book? Are you kidding? I had no idea what to write. And so then he calls me up one day and goes, I've got the cover. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, yeah, you know that scene where you're in the towel with the, the turban? And I'm like, yeah, he goes, that's the cover. Oh my goodness. See, <laughs> like he takes got... collaboration. <laughs> yeah, it was so cute. So oh, I shout, out for, shout out to Nick again. He's one in a million. Oh, that's wonderful. It's good to have friends like that because it is hard to put sometimes
0: our a picture to our own story. It's like, ugh, it's, it's so many different pieces. But thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. I think we're gonna have to have you back <laughs> on when you finish that novel.
1: So anyway, okay. I'd love I don't know what to I hear about it. <laughs> thank you for coming
0: to. on. Hey, you're still listening. Since you are, could you do me a favor and head over to the app that you're listening to this episode on and hit the subscribe button and then rate and review the show? It would really help the Pencils of Lipstick podcast get out into the world. And if you're enjoying the podcast, well, then there might be more people out there who would enjoy it as well. If you want to find out more about me, you can head over to Cat. I have my story over there, my books, my interactive journals, my one-on-one coaching information and information on my creative writing community membership group. If you're looking to write a book or you are a writer and you just want to find out more about how to write, how to publish, how to format, how to market and all the things that go into being an author these days, check out the membership group. There is a 14 free day trial that you can try it out, get into the masterminds, find out all the goodies that we are talking about in the group. I would love to see you there.